morning. Let's worship the God who reigns, who saves, who brings joy into this house, yeah? the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He pardoned the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory.
to the throne room of God. We get the privilege of coming to his throne room with confidence, with boldness, knowing that he hears us and listens to us. And we have that through Jesus. That's a gift. Moses didn't get to do that. We have access through his presence, through his holy son, to come into his throne room with thanksgiving, with praise. Um, Hebrews 10 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is through his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We have that access this morning. So I just encourage you to lift your heart, lift your hands in the throne room and sing holy, 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 because that's what he deserves this morning. So would you sing this with me? Drives me to my knees, humbly high. 
Would you open your hands with me as a posture that we're here to worship the Lord? Lord, we thank you that your name is holy. If ever there's a cry, Lord, it's, it's you are holy. And we've gathered here today to worship you, to thank you for creating us, for redeeming us, for bringing us into your salvation. We proclaim that here in this place this morning in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. My name is Pastor Joe. I'm the pastor here of this congregation. And I have a word for you in this moment as we stand. Um, I, I would say a prophetic word, but I think when some of you hear that, you think, oh, pr prophecy is just future prediction. But in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says a prophecy is a word used to encourage, bring comfort and strength to God's people. So I have a word for you this morning. I might call it a, have you heard the phrase, a word in due season? That's a, that's a term from the book of Isaiah, meaning that the Lord has something to say and it's the right thing at the right time. And so what I wanna tell you right now is two words. It's a, it's a word that maybe will mark time in New Life Manitou's history for this year. But the word, the two words for you is keep planting. That's what I wanna say right now, keep planting. And there's, there's a time to harvest, there's a time to plant. Jesus has quite a few analogies about agriculture in the ancient world. And some of you might know this. I actually assume, assume no, none of you know this, but right now is the time in Colorado where wheat farmers plant wheat. And I had to Google that because I didn't know, but I thought that was pretty interesting that right now, usually like the week after Labor Day is when wheat farmers plant wheat in Colorado. They put seeds into the ground at this time and through the rest of summer, then out to fall through Christmas and Thanksgiving and on through the calendar year, next spring, months and months and months from now, we'll shoot up a little tiny green stem. And then months from then, will be a harvest, tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousandfold of what was sown. That's your little botany lesson for today, but it's also your word for this morning, that in our lives, right now, I think of us in this room, I think of this church, and some of you just need to be encouraged that you're planting a seed in your child's life. You're planting a seed by getting up and spending time with the Lord. You're planting a seed when you come to church on Sunday mornings, you make that investment to be here. You're planting a seed maybe when you give financially to the, what the kingdom of God is doing. If you wanna give financially at this church, there, there's, we'll put different ways to give. I don't wanna take too much time on that. There's online or a box in the back to plant seeds into what the Lord is doing at this church by making disciples and growing the kingdom of God. But some of you, I feel like some of you are doing something, some, maybe something's coming to your mind. It's like, I've been doing this. I talked with someone this week. This is, I, I've been reading one chapter a day, every day in the Bible, and it's been boring. I, I, it's, it's been like, that's not what you wanna hear as a pastor. You wanna hear someone like, oh, it's been awesome. I get in the word every morning. But it's like, you know what planting is like? Can you imagine by hand planting a field of wheat seeds one by one by one? What is that work? That work is hard. It's laborious. It's, it's one after another. And the only way to, to, to next year's harvest of getting wheat and getting bread and making cakes, the only way to get there is to do the work today of keeping planting. So that's your word for today. Keep planting. I think in this congregation, it's a word for us because we have a lot of planting to do this fall. We're, we're going to go on a men's retreat next weekend, right men? 
We're going to, uh, we have Operation Christmas that we're partnering with to send boxes around the world to kids who uh, have ne maybe never heard of the gospel. We're going to put together little boxes of gifts and a gospel invitation. These boxes alongside of this ministry will send out millions of boxes. Our church will join that. We're going to record an album here at New Life Manitou of original songs that the band and our worship leader Erica has put together. And so I think talking about like putting seeds in the ground for a harvest for the future. I just need to encourage you this morning, keep planting. Would you pray with me? Would you open your hands again as we're gonna go back into this song? But Lord, we, we pray to you now. We say that our hands are open to you, asking Lord for, for strength to keep on planting, to get down on our hands and knees and put a seed in the ground and cover it, hoping, waiting that while there's going to be dormancy, Eventually, Lord, this, this seed will take root, it will germinate, a shoot will come out, and then a harvest, Lord. And this is all your work. Your kingdom of, of God is like seeds being planted. So, Lord, would you do this among us? Would you give us strength to keep planting? Would you give us strength to get down? Would you give us strength to cover over the seeds? And would you give us strength to keep hoping that your work is being done here? Lord, we pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Sing and all honor, glory and all power, all belong to your name. Wisdom, wealth, and wonder, raise the shakes like thunder.
ever there's a song, if ever there's a cry, it's holy is the Lord most high. If ever there's a song, if ever there's a cry, it's holy is the Lord most high. Oh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we get to come into your presence with thanksgiving, with praise, with honor, with exaltation. Thank you, Lord, that you're here with us in this throne room. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Well, good morning, Manitou. Thank you guys so much for being here. It's so good to see all your beautiful faces. Thank you for those who are watching online. Hello and welcome. Um, at this point, we can dismiss the children. Would you just turn and greet your neighbor, say hello? And we have uh, the word for just in just a moment. Thank you. Well, New Life Manitou Springs, good morning. It's okay. You could talk back to me. Uh, you might think I'm dressed extra cool today because I have this hoodie on and a jacket. I wasn't sure what to do, but the hoodie thing is for our men's retreat happening next weekend. And so I see a couple of those shirts hanging around in our church. So the men's ministry is going on a retreat this coming Friday. We're going to camp Friday night 
And some people are even going to camp Saturday night and come back to church in the morning. And I just want to tell you that if you come up for any of it on Saturday, we got our tailor, the drummer. He said, I, I could be up there for Friday night. Or we can give you directions. There's a lot of information online. We would love to have you come up for all our part of it. The theme is... Your journey begins in the wilderness. So we're going to talk about as men, how we get away and we worship the Lord. We go hard so that we can come back to our lives and go deeper with God through the journey of life. And so there'll be axe throwing and bow and arrow shooting and campfire and good food. And I, I mentioned good food last week a whole bunch of times. So hopefully we got the point across that it's one of these weekends, men, that you need to come up for at least a part of it, either Friday night or some portion of Saturday. It's 20 bucks, includes this really cool uh, hoodie thing and all the meals that you'll be up there for. So that's the announcement portion. A couple shout outs. Uh, we have the glasses in the house. Where are they at? Danae and Dan Glass. There they are. Founding mothers and fathers of this congregation. You really are. And so like Dan used to be our AV head guy back there. Now they, they took him at New Life North and he oversees like all the stuff up there. So you've done really good. And, and we, we sent him to, to North to oversee lots of different things. And Danae was on base. She used to lead with us in the very early days of New Life Manitou. So good to see you in the house. We have our missionaries, the Myatts back. We got Dean Flanagan. We got, uh, I don't know, we got a good crowd today. So um, I have a message for you today. Uh, I get to introduce the speaker who has the message uh, for today, I should say. Um, let me clarify what I just said, actually. It's the exact opposite of what I just said. Um, we have a, a guest speaker who's going to continue in our series on First Kings. And Josh Dillon, who is here, uh, has done the offering moment a couple times. He's been around our congregation. He has a really good voice for hearing the Lord and for preaching. I've listened to quite a few of his sermons because he is the pastor for uh, New Life's Young Adults College and 20-somethings ministry at New Life North, which is the job, the, the uh, calling that I had for many years at New Life North before planting Manitou. So we have a kindred spirit. Uh, Josh also, as if that wasn't enough, and I've done that job, and that is a huge job, as if that isn't enough. He also oversees a very important ministry at New Life North, which is section communities. So New Life North, if you've ever been, and please feel free to visit other New Life congregations, New Life North is huge. Every section is about the size of this whole church, and so they do once a month potlucks, which we do potlucks as well, but but we don't have we don't have to do sections. We just all have potluck together because we're small enough to do that. But Josh oversees the leaders who oversee the, the communities and the potlucks and the shepherding and the pastoring that goes on. So he's he's got his hands full at, at New Life North. He has a little baby daughter. She's a year and a half. She's downstairs right now. They said she's the most outgoing person. She just loves getting dropped off. She really does. It's like, what kid loves that? Just like hanging out with the other kids. I'm only playing with the other kids. Uh, his wife is sitting next to him, Ellie. They've been married almost, is, did I do my math right, going on seven years this month. So... Would you give a great grand welcome to Josh Dillon, who is going to open the word of God to us this morning from the book of First Kings? Come on up, Josh. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> oh, so fun. Man, uh, I feel very honored. Joe, thank you. You talked me up. Man, it is a joy uh, and a privilege to be here with you guys. Um, like Joe said, this is my third time coming by Manitou, visiting with you guys. But each time I come, I find that I leave 
um, really just like encouraged. And I leave with, with deep affection both for, uh, for you and for what God is doing here in New Life um, and even for the movement of the Spirit here in our community in Colorado Springs and in Manitou Springs and what God is doing in just this Pikes Peak region as a whole. So thank you for welcoming me. It really is uh, it really is an honor. It really is a privilege. Joe, basically, I was going to say a little, a, a couple things about myself when I came up, but Joe took it all. So we can just jump right into the Bible. It'll be great. Um, no, but I, I do want to share a brief story. I was sitting with um, three young men about a week ago. Uh, we were sitting, we were talking about our, our spiritual histories, and we were um, talking about what the Lord had done to like pull our hearts to him. And there had been a pivotal moment in each of our stories, around like 16, 17, 18 that all took place in the context of, of new life and the, the ministry that's happening here. And so I wanted to come this morning and open with a, uh, a thank you to you guys um, for being a part of what God is doing, not just here in Manitou Springs, but in New Life Church as a whole. And even just coming with, a, with testimonies of encouragement, God is moving both here and in our city through the work that's happening, through you coming, coming to, uh, to men's retreats and coming to be a part of the body of Christ here. So good things are happening. Um, we love you guys and we're excited for what the Lord is doing today. So um, like Joe said, we're gonna be jumping in and continuing on in our First Kings series. And before we do that, I wanna open up with a question just to kind of set the stage for us a little bit. What would happen if God did everything that was in his heart in your life? And are you ready for it? What would happen if God did every last thing that was in his mind, in his heart? What does he want for you, for your family, for your story, for your parenting, for your job? And are you ready for him to do it? Take that, stick it in the back, because we're gonna be continuing on in 1 Kings. And Pastor Joe, right over the last couple weeks, he opened up the book and talked about, in chapter two and chapter three, uh, about wisdom and about getting wisdom. And we're introduced, right, to this character of Solomon, this young man who God establishes on the throne of David, his father, um, and who's, uh, who's growing in wisdom and asks God for wisdom. Um, and today, we're gonna be jumping into chapters five and chapter Six. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 Kings chapter 6 for me. A little bit of context. Chapter 5 is all about Solomon preparing to build something called the temple. We're going to talk about the temple in a second. And then in chapter 6, he actually gets to do it and he jumps in. So we're going to read some portions of the word. We're going to pray. Um, we're going to get some, some takeaways and then we'll go from there. So if you want to open up with me to 1 Kings 6 verse 1. Let's read the word together. This is what the word of the Lord says. In the 480th year, after the people of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, he began to build the house of the Lord. In the 480th year, can you hear and feel the, the specificity in this moment. If you read 1 Kings up until this point, chapter one, two, three, four, five, it's in these broad, sweeping, sweeping strokes, right? There's a story, and then some time will pass, and then another story, but it's not detailed. But here we have this moment that doesn't just situate the temple in Solomon's life and story, but in what God is doing in Israel as a whole in the 480th year after the people of Israel came out of the land of Egypt. Jump with me to verse 11. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Solomon. It says, concerning this house that you are building, if you will walk in my statutes and obey my rules and keep all of my commandments and walk in them, then I will establish my word with you 
which I spoke to David, your father, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. Fast forward with me one more time to verse 37. In the fourth year, the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid in the month of Ziv. In the 11th year, in the month of Bull, which is the eighth month, the house was finished in all of its parts and according to all of its specifications. He, that is Solomon, was seven years in building it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are here for you. We're here because uh, we've heard your call to come, to come and be known, to come and give our hearts and our lives to you, Jesus. Lord, we welcome you to come and to lead us today. Lord, we welcome you to come and to speak to us today. Lord, I ask that you would come and that you would speak through me and that our hearts would be open to the word of of the Lord for us today. Lord, thank you for the word that you gave Joe. Keep planting, keep planting. Lord, we just say that your servants are listening. Our eyes look to you as that servant looks to the hand of his master. Speak, Lord. We are ready, we are open, we are waiting. And all of New Life Manitou said, amen and amen. Now, this chapter, right, is all about Solomon building and crafting the temple. And for some of us, that might seem like a little bit of interesting language, right? If you haven't grown up around church, or maybe if you're sort of new to the faith, the word temple maybe uh, conjures some interesting images in your mind, right? Like, I grew up watching, like, Indiana Jones, right? You have, like, the first movie, and it's kind of fun, and there's, like, the Ark of the Covenant. And then the second movie is terrifying, right? It's just this underground temple, and it's like, oh, right? It's nasty, and it's, maybe that's the picture you have in your mind when you think of temple, but then you come, and we read a chapter like this, and it's all about Solomon crafting and building this temple, and you're like, what in the world is going on? So what I want to do is I want to give us a couple spiritual principles to help us understand why is this important. In the story of God as he relates with his people, why does it matter that all of a sudden Solomon is building the temple, And the first principle we need to understand to to see what God is doing in the temple is that God has always wanted to live with his people. God has always wanted to live with his people. In fact, I'd say this, you can summarize the Bible as God's active longing to be present in and with his creation, right? If you go back to the beginning of the Bible, you have this moment where God crafts the world and he's like creating things and people and animals in the world and this is this beautiful cacophony of creation and then he creates a garden and he plants not just, uh, not just vegetation but humanity in the garden. It says that he walks with them in the cool of the day, right? This moment where God and people are together, literally living hand in hand, right? But we know that that's not how this story finishes, right? Sin rips that connection apart and separates us from God. And then if you fast forward, really the entirety of the Old Testament is God just using human partners in order to get at the rest of, the rest of his creation, right? If you look at Abraham, God says, I'm gonna bless you so that you can be a blessing to the world. Isaac, his son, Jacob, his son, the 12 patriarchs, Jacob's sons, he crafts an entire nation of people that he's designed to move through in order to come and to live again with his people, even fast forwarding through there, right? You have the 12 patriarchs, they go to Egypt, they're delivered from Egypt, they're in the desert, God comes and meets with them, gives them the law, gives them this thing called the tabernacle, which is a tent where God comes and lives and they offer sacrifices to him. They go into the land of promise and then fast forward, and now we have this moment where Solomon is crafting the temple and it's the last series of a long line of chapters of God actually wanting to come and to live and to be with his people. 
from the deep mystery of primordial time, the God who crafted the universe has lived on the edge of his seat to dwell among his people. So when we're trying to understand the temple, God wants to live with us. And the temple is a chapter in that narrative. It's a chapter in that story. That's point number one we have to understand. The second principle we need to understand is that God comes to live where he's wanted. He comes to live where he's desired. You say, God comes where we want him. Um, I was kind of reflecting a little bit this morning and just thinking about this idea that God comes where he's wanted. Have you ever been in a room or in a social situation where it like became really clear that the, the people in the room actually didn't want you there, right? It's just like the worst feeling ever. I remember I was young um, and I grew up in a church not too much bigger than this and um, we would go to like Sunday school, children's church and I remember for probably a decade or more, it was my aspiration every single Sunday was to become friends with these two guys named Connor and Thomas. They was just, I was just like, they're the coolest people in the world. They were a year older than me, and so I was like, this is amazing, I wanna be your friends. And everything I did was to go and be friends with them. And the thing was is that they were really, really good friends with one another, and when they weren't hanging out with one another, they would like kind of be nice to me, sort of-ish. But like when the three of us were together, I was like, this is amazing, and they would kind of look at each other and look at me and be like, yeah, <laughs> right? And it's just the worst feeling in the world to be like, oh, like you don't actually want me here. And I, I contrast that to another friendship that I had with this guy named Aaron. And the thing with Aaron is that Aaron is like awesome, kind. When we were little, he was kind of an odd bird. He, he, liked, he liked some interesting things that was like, hmm, is this fun? This, isn't, this certainly isn't cool, but is this fun? But one of the things that I love about Aaron is every time we were there, he was like, you are the best. You are my friend, and we're gonna play Star Wars and do lightsabers, and it's gonna be great, <laughs> right? And so I found myself drawn towards Aaron instead of to Connor and Thomas because he actually wanted me to be there, right? And now I'm not comparing God to a pre-adolescent boy <laughs> looking for his place in the world, but what I am saying is that um, when people want you there, it, it makes a difference, it makes a difference. God wants to come to live with us, and he comes when we want him to come, right? It's like he's, in some ways, it's like God is going to come, and he's gonna move, and he's going to do what he's going to do. But if you come to him with an actual desire and an actual heart, it's like it just opens up his heart to you a little bit more. And he's like, yes, I see you. I see this, and I love you. Now, two principles, right? So this idea, God comes to be, God has always wanted to live with his people. God comes to live where he's wanted. Now let's track back to the temple. Solomon has just built this temple for the Lord. He's built this, um, this monument, right, to the presence and the power of God. And if you see it in a certain light, all of this, this book in chapter six, so we skipped over a couple portions. They're just the, the really nitty gritty details of what the temple looks like. It's like he started to build a temple and then it describes the doors and the walls and the decorations and the curtains and it goes really, really deep into um, the, the details of what, what Solomon is doing here in the temple because all of it is an act of preparation for the presence of God. And so what I want us to see t this morning, I almost said tonight, I preach at night all the time. What I wanna see this morning is that God comes where he's wanted and we can prepare our hearts for the Lord to come and to be with us, for God to come and do what he wants to do in us. In the kingdom of God, preparation is invitation. 
What do I mean by that? We can come here and say, God, we want you to come. We want you to move. We want to be close to you. But if we don't do the things to prepare the ground, to prepare our hearts, then if he comes, are we ready for him? Are we ready? If God did everything he wanted to do in your life, what would happen? And are you ready for it? This morning, I wanna give us three practices that I believe this passage invites us into to prepare our hearts for God. Practice number one is this, cultivate desire. Cultivate desire. Psalm 132 verses one through five says this. It says, uh, the psalmist says, remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all of the hardships that he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Now, the psalmist is jumping into a narrative that's been happening for years and years at this point. Because in 1 Kings, you see the story of Solomon and just the tail end of the story of David. But if you rewind the tape a little bit, you see David the king, right? This is the same David who slayed Goliath with a slingstone and God established him as the ruler. There's this interesting pivotal moment in the life of David. Right, God has established him as the king. He doesn't have enemies around him in that moment and he's looking and he's just built himself this, this beautiful house. And outside of his home in, the, in Jerusalem is this thing called the tabernacle, which is where the Ark of the Covenant was. It was like the, the temple before the temple. And David has this moment with the Lord where he says, God, I'm here living in this massive house and you're living in a tent. He says, can I build you a house? Can I build you a temple? And then God comes to David in the night and he says, I love your heart. I love what you want. He says, that's the same thing that I want, right? He says, but your hands have been stained with blood and with warfare, and so it's not gonna be you who crafts a temple, but it's gonna be your son who makes me a temple, who makes me a space to come and to live with my people. The temple of God was born from the heart of a man who wanted the same thing that God wanted, right? David, it's like somehow he, he picked up upon this theme of, God wants to live with us. He says, God, will you do it? And him coming into agreement with what God wanted for not just his life, but also for his community, it opened up the door for God to actually rush in and say, yes, I want this. I want this. And I just, I just picture Solomon, right? I picture Solomon as a little boy being raised in David's home. And David's home was chaos. He was a bad dad, right? But I picture this moment of like Solomon being raised and David saying, one day, one of you talking to his sons, you're gonna build a house for God. And then Solomon comes and he's established this king and he's like, here we go. It's time, let's do it, right? The temple was born from the heart of a man who wanted the same thing that God wanted. Now remember, the practice is cultivating desire. So I wanna ask you a question. Do you know what God wants for your life? Do you know what God wants to do? Have you asked him? Have you listened? When I say, what does God wanna do? You're like, what's the first thing that comes to your mind and the first thing that comes to your heart? Like Pastor Joe said, I've been married for almost seven years. Our anniversary's next week. And over the course of that time, I've had a lot of opportunities to listen very poorly. <laughs> I think of like, we'll have like these moments where I'll sit down with Ellie and this is, a habit almost at this point, I'm repenting, but, and she'll, she'll share her heart and she'll share what's going on inside of her. And my first step is like, I know how to fix that. <laughs> like, just do this and do this and do this and you'll be perfect. And then you can stop talking to me about it, right? 
forgive me. <laughs> and then she'll look at me and she'll rightfully say, did you even listen to me? Did you even hear me? At that point, I'm like, no, I was just trying to rush past what you were sharing and get to the good stuff, which is whatever, but that is the good stuff. But my question for you is, have you slowed down? Have you slowed down to listen to what God actually wants for you? Because listening and hearing, it happens in the relational moments of life that feel like they're unproductive. It happens in the moments of just being still, right? Of just being with another human being and you get to know them and you get to know their heart and you get to know their desires. Do you know what God wants for your life? Let me ask you another question. Do you know what you want for your life? This might be an easier one for some of us to answer, right? Some of us might be working towards job goals or some of us are grandparents and saying, oh yeah, I just I wanna be a good grand, grandma or grandpa. Or, um, some of us maybe, um, we wanna get married and we say, man, okay, I know what I want for my life. I want this and I want that. We can fill it up usually with all of these external things. Um, you heard the phrase, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I, like, I can pivot it a little bit. Show me your bank account and your calendar, and I'll show you what you actually want in your life, right? Because the things that we spend our money on and the way that we spend our time are extremely revealing for what we actually want. Do you know what God wants for your life? Do you know what you want for your life? Do the desires in your heart align with the desires in God's heart? Because the truth is, is when the longing of our hearts when it aligns with the longing in the heart of God, generations are transformed and communities are revived. Think about David. There was a moment where what he wanted came into agreement with what God wanted and it just like ripped open the world to God's presence and power. That's what's at stake here, you guys. That's what happens when the longings of our heart come into agreement with the longings of God's heart. The dangerous thing is that the opposite in some ways is true because when we act upon desires in us that oppose the heart of God, we die. James 1 says it this way. It says, each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. We're in the middle of a war of, of longings. What do you want? Are you acting upon the things that God wants or the things that you want that are opposed to what God wants? And what do we do about it? For you this morning, you might say, man, Josh, I'm caught in the middle, right? I, maybe your, your cry is like Paul is in Romans. He says, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. What do I do? God, help me. Praise God, there is a solution through Jesus, right? Desires can be cultivated. And notice I said cultivated, not changed or solved or fixed because cultivation takes time. Your desires, what you want, can, can be changed. It can grow. It can take time. Um, I'm not like, I'm not like a health nut. Like I enjoy working out and like sometimes I eat good and like I go through phases, right? But normally there's like once or twice a year when I'll stand and I'll look in the mirror and I'll get on the scale and I'll look at the weight and I'll be like, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Okay, here we go, right? Normally it's after um, about three months between like Thanksgiving and Christmas when I just gorge myself upon Christmas cookies. Praise God for Christmas cookies, you guys. Oh my goodness. But I get to this moment and I'm like, something's gotta change. Like we can't keep going in this trajectory. And one of the things I discover, okay, is early on I'm like, all right, I'm gonna button this up, I'm gonna go to the gym, I'm gonna eat healthy, I'm gonna eat um, fruit instead of cookies, I'm going to eat um, good lean protein instead of bad carbohydrates. And at the beginning, it's just like the worst, right? I'm just sitting there and I'm holding like a strawberry and I'm like, 
this strawberry's pretty good, but you know what's better? <laughs> that caramel cookie I'm not eating right now over there, right? And then I force myself to eat the strawberry, and I force myself to do the things that I know are good for me. And that's like the first week. But have you ever noticed, like, by the fourth week, I look at that strawberry, and I take a bite, and I'm like, praise God for this strawberry. This is exactly what I need right now. This is what I want right now. The things that we indulge, our appetites, they actually grow or detract based upon the ways that we give into them, based upon the ways that we feed them. And so my question for you, right, do you know what God wants for your life? And are you cultivating those appetites and those desires? Because when we do, it actually prepares our lives for the coming of the Lord. Practice number one, cultivate desire. Practice number two, I want us to go ahead and read 1 Kings 6, 11 through 13, one more time. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Solomon concerning this house that you are building. If you will walk in my statutes and obey my rules and keep all of my commandments and walk in them, then I will establish my word with you, which I spoke to David, your father, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people, Israel. I think this gives us a really clear invitation. Practice number two, purify your life. Commit yourself to a lifestyle of obedience. Now, that word obedience can feel like, like, that's not a fun word to talk about. But if you look in the passage, right, God looks at him and he says, he says, I wanna come live with you. He says, if you, if you live this way, if you purify your life, you're gonna open up yourself and your community for me to come and to make my house with you, for me to come and to live with you. Um, I wanna teach us two kind of ideas here, um, or two different words so the first is contingent, and the second is non-contingent. Contingent and non-contingent. Contingent things are things that are dependent upon something else, right? Like this is only true if something else happens. Like you will only see, um, you'd only see me with a six pack if I committed myself to eating good, right? There are other things that are non-contingent. They're true regardless of the moment, regardless of the day, regardless of the time, right? This might be something of like, um, the sky is blue. It's not contingent upon something else, right? Your identity and genetics as a, as a person, you're a human being, that's not contingent upon something else. I think of it almost this way. Are there any other Lord of the Rings fans in the room? I grew up with Lord of the Rings, praise God, right? Okay, it's, it's the fact that Lord of the Rings is the greatest movie trilogy in the world is not contingent upon anything else, right? It just is. It's the truth. But the, your ability to appreciate that fact might be contingent upon you sitting through 13 hours of extended edition and watching the bonus content and the interviews, right? So you, you kinda, you're, you're tracking with me here a little bit. God's love for you is not contingent. It's not based upon anything else. It's rooted only in your identity and in God's identity. John 3, right, says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God's love and affection for you is not contingent. What is contingent? The blessing and the manifest presence of God in our lives are contingent upon a lifestyle that's oriented towards obedience. Let me tell you what I mean with this. Um, let, me give you, let me give you an example. Um, when I was in high school, um, I was, so I started, I met Jesus when I was right before my junior year of high school. Um, in my sophomore year, I had my license, and me with a license not following Jesus was a bad combination, um, and especially with my parents giving me a credit card to pay for gas. 
Thank you. My parents are in the room also, right there. Yeah, love you guys. Um, and uh, that was a bad combination. <laughs> Sophomore Josh not following Jesus with a credit card <laughs> was not a good thing. Because um, what I ended up doing right is my dad said, hey, only, only pay for gas. And I'd pay for gas, and then I'd be, I'd be like, you know what, I'm pretty hungry. I'm gonna go buy some food. And, and the gas station, right? It's all the gas station. It all counts. So I'd get some Chex Mix and a drink, and then I'd be like, that's fine. It's, all, it's gas. It's all gas money. And then I'd be hanging out with my friends, and they'd be like, let's go ahead up Five Guys. And the burgers at Five Guys are ridiculously expensive. What in the world? And I'd say, I'm gonna spend 12 bucks on a burger. I'm like, I don't have that kind of money. You know who does have that kind of money? <laughs> Mom and dad have that kind of money. So I break out the credit card, right? And then one thing leads to another. And I remember my dad sat me down. He's like, Josh, what are you spending this money on? <laughs> like, you gotta, you gotta stop. <clears throat> you gotta stop. My relationship with my dad as my father, to me as his son, is not contingent upon my good stewarding of money. I, w- I am his son. I will be his son until the moment. And there's, not a, there's not a time frame on it, right? It's not contingent upon anything. But my connection with him Right, my ability for him to, to trust me with good things, for him to say, you keep this credit card, I trust you to use it well. Right, for him to say, let's sit down, and let, me, let me share the things in my heart with you. Those are contingent upon my ability to steward and to walk in faithfulness the things that he's asked me. Now, we had a conversation, and I, I don't know if he took the credit card away, I don't even really remember. Regardless, we worked it out somehow, and I'm sure it was very gracious and compassionate on your part. But think about it this way, right? Let's say the time had gone on and he left me with a credit card and now I'm not just spending money on snacks, right? But I'm spending money on like a drug habit and then I'm stealing and it just goes, right? The things that we do genuinely break relationship. This is one of the truths of the gospel, you guys. Jesus looks at us in John 15. He says, those who love me obey my commandments. Your salvation is not based upon what you do, but your connection and your intimacy with God as your father, they are based upon what you do. They're based upon your lifestyle oriented towards obedience. Now, notice, I wanna get that thrown back up um, about the blessing and manifest presence of God in our lives. They're contingent upon a lifestyle oriented towards obedience, not necessarily perfection, okay? When your life and your heart are in the direction of I want Jesus, and then we come in a process of repentance if we mess up, Right? God, isn't, God isn't here saying, I'm only gonna bless you and come to you when you get to a certain point of your life. But when our hearts say, God, I want you, I want to obey, I want to be with you, I want to live a life that's honoring and holy and pleasing and pure, it's like that orientation just lets him come right in and say, absolutely, yes, yes, come to me, my son. Psalm 24 says it this way. It says, who will ascend the hill of the Lord and who will stand in his holy place? Him who has clean hands and a pure heart and does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So the question for us this morning is what is it that God commands, right? To purify your life, walk in obedience, what is it that God commands? I think about um, the prophets, right, who say, what is it, O oh man, that God requires but that you walked justly, love mercy, I think I got that wrong, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> act justly, love, thank you, Erica, it's in my notes, love mercy and walk humbly with your God, right, I think about Jesus in the New Testament, who locks eyes with his disciples, and one of the, the scribes comes to him and says, oh, Lord, what's the greatest of all the commandments, 
And Jesus looks at him and he quotes Deuteronomy and he says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind and all of your strength and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. God invites us into a, a process of learning active love. And when we start practicing active love, it actually prepares our hearts. Because remember, these are practices that we do to prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord in our lives. When we begin to walk in obedience, it actually situates us and positions us to receive all the good things that God has for us. Practice number two, purify yourself. Your obedience prepares the ground of your heart and of our community for the presence and the power of God. What would happen if God did everything that was in his heart, not just for you, but for us? What would happen if God did everything that was in his heart? God has things that he wants to do, friends. Are you ready for them? As we're kind of coming to a close this morning, I wanna give you a last and a final practice. All right, practice number one, we cultivate the desires. We ask God to situate us so that we want the things that he wants. Practice number two, right, we live a life of obedience and purity. Practice number three is that we live in hope. We live in hope. I think about Solomon, right? I think about him crafting the temple, of him making this, uh, this building for God. There was a moment when God, or when the temple was finished, when he said, the only thing left to do is to wait for God to come. Man, I just wanna even tie this moment into what, to what Joe was saying. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think some of us are in the room and we've been planting seeds and you've been investing and you've been trying to cultivate the things of God. You've been trying to do different practices to get yourself ready and you're in a space where you're saying, God, I've, do I've done the stuff I've done the stuff, why, why are you not coming? Maybe you've invested and, and sought after a prodigal son or daughter, right? Maybe you've lived a lifestyle of purity and of holiness and you're like, God, why, why am I in this moment where, where the things that are, I'm longing for, I know you want some of them, but why is this not happening? Why am I not seeing the breakthrough in my life that I know that you want to bring into my life? The practice for you, friends, is to live in hope. Because one day the coming one will come. I think like Hebrews 10. It says, for yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. Hear from me, friends, that when you live in hope, when you live in anticipation, when you look to Jesus and you put your hope in him, there will be a moment when he comes. Whether or not it's what you expect or whether it looks different, there will be a moment when the presence and the power of God comes mightily. And whether or not that's here in this moment or at a later time, you can have 100% confidence that God is going to come in your life. Because also, one of the truths of scripture, right, is that while we, we prepare ourselves for God, we cultivate these different things inside of us, God comes where he's wanted. There is going to be a day and a moment and an hour where it doesn't matter how you have cultivated, but God is going to come to your neighborhood. God is going to come to this world. The entire uh, Christian hope and faith is that there's going to be a day when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Messiah and where Jesus is going to stand on this earth and all rule and authority and power is going to come underneath him once again. 
This is the, this is Christian hope, friends. God is gonna reshape the world. I think about um, Ellie and I, right? We read to Eden every night, this Jesus storybook Bible. And there's a moment where it says, um, Jesus was making everything sad come untrue. There's gonna be a moment when everything sad comes untrue. So live with hope. Live with hope. I don't, is the band coming up? Are you guys playing after this? I'll invite you guys up now. Um, what would happen in your life, in our community, if God did everything that was in his heart? Everything that was in his heart. I, want, I think there are two responses to this word this morning. Um, I think the first word or the first response here is hope. Because I think there are some of us in the room um, who our hope has grown a little cold. We've gotten a little disappointed. Um, we've felt like God has missed the mark a little bit. And, we're, uh, and you're, you're kind of at the end of your rope. I have good news for you. At the end of your rope is the exact spot that God comes. The end of your rope is the best spot for you to be because God is right there to meet you and to lift you up. I think we're gonna respond with hope. But then I think for some of us, the invitation is also to respond with repentance. Now, I say that word repentance and some of us, you automatically push back. You're like, well, isn't that just, that's just like a churchy word to tell me I'm doing wrong, like bad things. Romans one says, says it this way. It says, it's the kindness of God to lead us to repentance into a way of life that actually works. And so even as I was talking about cultivating desire, about walking in obedience, about positioning your life to be connected and close to God, maybe the Holy Spirit brought something to your mind. Maybe he kind of raised something to the surface where you're like, oh, like there's this part of my life and this part of my heart that I know is, I know it's rubbing against what God wants for me. Maybe there's an actual thing that you're wrestling with Maybe there's an action or an activity like, man, I just, I just can't get out of this cycle. There's a sin struggle in your life. The invitation for you is repentance, not unto shame, but unto life. Where we orient ourselves once again towards the kind, good God who wants to rush in with forgiveness and grace. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's pray. I wanna pray for these two groups of people. So if you're here this morning and you just say, I need a fresh dose of hope, just as a response to the Lord, if you'd open your hands, let's just ask the Lord together. God, we believe that you are the God of hope. And so Lord, I pray the blessing that Paul prays and may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you learn how to trust so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray for hope in the room. Things that have grown tired or cold, would you bring them back to life? In your name, Jesus, amen. And then I wanna pray for those of us who say that there's a, uh, some repentance that needs to happen. If that's you, I'd invite you to uh, to, to bring that thing before the Lord. Bring that desire, bring that action that you're wrestling with before the Lord. And we just say, God, we come as equal brothers and sisters to the foot of the cross, knowing that we are all here because of the mercy of Jesus and your blood that was shed for us. 
God, you have made a way for us to enter the holy space, just like Laura was praying in worship. Lord, that we can enter with confidence, not because of our actions or abilities, but because of the blood of Jesus, our high priest who has gone before us into the holy place. And so, Lord, we confess that we've sinned. We've confessed that we've sinned in the things that we've done and the things we've left undone. Lord, the desires that we've acted upon that are opposed to your heart. Holy Spirit, will you come? Will you change us, transform us? We repent and we receive the forgiveness and mercy of God again. Would you show us and tell us you're well done? Your love again, that's not contingent upon anything. Would you bless us this morning with this? In your name, Jesus. Say amen. 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 The communion servers can come up now. I want to read. I, I took notes on Josh, Josh's uh, message, and I, I wrote down what he said. God's love for you is not contingent on you. I'll say that again. God's love for you is not contingent on you. And there's this image in the Bible of Jesus standing at the door, and what is he doing? He's knocking on the door of your heart. He's inviting you in. And if you open up that door, the kingdom of heaven is often described as a table set before us. And so we're gonna come through and receive communion. All are invited to come. All are loved by God. God is standing at the door of your heart and knocking. And you get to come down. You get to receive. The communion servers will say Christ's body for you, Christ's blood for you. And would you receive that? Would you go back to your seat and just hold it? I'll come back up and we'll all receive together. We're gonna sing one last song. Danae's gonna lead us about this song of what we're gonna do with our mouth, what we're gonna do with our praise. It's gonna be on our lips. That's how we're gonna live. So Lord, we pray over this moment as we come forward. Lord, we proclaim that these are the gifts of God for the people of God. We thank you, Lord, that this is the body of Christ for us, the body of Christ. We come forward in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I thank you for your unconditional, self-sacrificing love. God, may our lives be continuous offerings of praise. Your love is devoted like a ring of solid gold, like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old. Your love is enduring through the winter rain. Beyond the horizon With mercy for today Faithful you have been And faithful you will be You pledge yourself to me And it's why I sing your praise Will ever be on my lips Ever be on my lips Your praise will ever be Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my 
lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips.
Now it's become the bread of life. That's what Jesus says. He says, I am the bread of life. And he, he says, take this, my body. So would you receive this bread with me? And Jesus, last night on the earth with his disciples, they shared a meal and he took a cup. He lifted it and said, this is a cup of a new covenant. My blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so would you receive this cup with me as we remember Christ? And so Lord, we thank you for your gifts to us, this mystery of your body and blood for us that we take inside of us like a seed into the earth that's it's planted. And Lord, we pray that would you do a great work with our lives? Would you do a great work with the seeds that we're planting? Lord, it's all by you, through you. It's all because of you and your work in us that, that grace, that this world, that your love is upon us, that this church exists. Lord, it's all your hand. It's all your work. And so we praise you and thank you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and God's people at New Life Manitou Springs said, Amen and amen. As you go from here, I have a few announcements for you. If you would like prayer, I'll be down here as well as some of our prayer team. We would love to pray for you or with you. I know a lot of you are going through different things and I hear about them later. I'm like, why didn't they come down? Why didn't we pray over them? So come on down, be bold. I would love to pray a blessing over you or for health or for healing. Also, if you're new or newish to this congregation, if you've visited other New Life congregations and maybe you you've never filled out a first-time visitor card here, you're welcome to do that. We, you could do it electronically on the QR code on your seats, or we have like the real deal paper, paper versions, which I prefer outside at the little table as you leave. Uh, we have a gift for you just for coming today. It's a, it's a one-year devotion that our uh, pastor of New Life North wrote, so we'd love to give you that. A couple other announcements. Actually, let's be honest, quite a few more announcements for you. Um, we, we might need a break in between or something. Uh, a lot going on at our church. Uh, this Tuesday, we have a potluck for all of our New Life Manitou volunteers. So if you're on the volunteer team, uh, come to our house. You have an email of directions and what to bring. It's Taco Tuesday. Uh, and some of you are like, hey, how do, they, how do you get on that team? What do you do? How do you become a volunteer? We would love to have you be on our volunteer team. Fill out an application online. We would love to have you join our team. There's lots of places to serve, and it's a wonderful team to get on. You can come talk to me or the back table as you leave about that process. It's very easy. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, don't forget, I'm wearing this hoodie looking ridiculous with a jacket over a hoodie. What kind of pastor does this? A weird one. I guess I'm a weird pastor to advertise and remind you that our men's retreat is this Friday. Information is online. We would love to have you come. There's also little drop cards in the, at the table as you leave outside for that. Operation Christmas. Uh, we have, uh, we're going to partner with this wonderful organization. This year is kind of our outreach. We're going to put together these shoe boxes uh, in size with toys and things for uh, five to nine-year-old little boys. We're joining this uh, greater cause of sending these boxes, lots and lots of them all over the world, places where kids haven't heard the gospel. They're going to get a gift. There's, they're going to get the gospel presentation in these little boxes. It's a wonderful ministry to be a part of. So there's information in the back. 
Some of you just want to be a part of something like, oh, I want to be a part of that. I want to bring things to put in a box or I want to come on September 24th and pack the boxes. It's going to be a fun uh, afternoon of like putting these boxes together. Visit the table in the back and Jenny, where's Jenny? Jenny, raise your hand. Uh, She's going to be back there answering questions about this. We have uh, the list of things that you need to get like matchbox cars and bouncy balls for boys between the ages of, what is it, five and nine? Am I getting that right? Yeah, five and nine. And then finally, we've been talking a lot about the men's group. We also have a women's group. They meet this Thursday right here, 6.30. The men will be outside packing the trailers for the camping trip. And so I jokingly said, hey, the women could come help. And the women said, no, we'll be in here doing our Bible study. And that's just okay. So uh, let me pray a blessing over you. Would you open your hands once again? Receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.